It is five o'clock somewhere, and you've tuned into the season one finale of BRC. For those of you who'd like to watch this episode, it's available on our website, YouTube, and Spotify. Today in our Tales from the Still segment, I speak with Ryan Friesen from Connick Distillery in Ireland about how he got into distilling and how this job took him from the Midwest to Southern California before crossing the pond. But first, let's see what's new in whiskey business. It's time now for Whiskey Business, where I report on new releases and other current events in the world of whiskey. This has been a very busy month for Impex Beverages. Not only have they introduced New Zealand single malt whiskey called Pocono in the American market, but they've also announced that they're taking over as Wolfburn Single Malt Scotch Distillery's new U.S. importer. In addition, Impex is releasing Hakata whiskey from Japan. Hakata is distilled and matured in Fukuoka, Japan by Hirkari Distillery, which was founded in 1912. They put out a 10-year, 12-year, 16-year, and 18-year-old expression. Pocano Whiskey is the largest single malt distillery in New Zealand. They use only pure volcanic spring water from the North Island's distilleries surrounding hills and family-farmed barley from New Zealand's rich, fertile South Island. Pocano selects only the finest casks to mature their spirit, and the warm subtropical climate accelerates maturation and flavor development. Lastly, Wolfburn Single Malt Scotch comes to us from the most northerly distillery on Scotland's mainland. Wolfburn's smooth, easy-drinking character stems from the way it is made, and it is matured in warehouses just a short distance from the ocean. To learn more about these spirits and where you can find them, please visit BarrelRoomChronicles.com for today's show notes. Up next, we speak with Ryan Friesen in this week's Tales from the Still. Stay with us. There's nothing better than the smell of coffee in the morning. What if you could enjoy a coffee subscription of fresh, roasted specialty coffee while making a difference in the lives of farmers that grow it? What if you also had access to a virtual coffee community of other coffee lovers and the coffee farmer and roaster? That's all part of the Farm to Cup Coffee Club subscription at Unleashed Coffee. Subscribe today. UnleashedCoffee.com Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, and whenever it is you're watching or listening to the show today. Today on the show, we have Ryan Friesen from Connect distillery in Ireland on the wild, wild Atlantic way. Um, I was recently in Ireland and I was hoping to get out to this part of the country. Unfortunately, we didn't have the time to make it all the way over there. Um, but Ryan has been uh, nice enough to send some samples and uh, be here today to talk to us so we can find out more about him and this beautiful distillery. Ryan, welcome. Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, sorry, we uh, missed you when you were out here. It would have been nice to have you come by the distillery. Yes. Well, hopefully I will be making another trip and we can make that happen in the future. Mm -hmm. So tell me, I ran into some former co-workers of yours while I was in New oh. Orleans at the Tales of the Cocktail, Journeyman Distillery. And uh, he act he's actually the one who gave me your contact because when I reached out oh, to the distillery right. yep. directly, there was no response. So tell me, you're American, you're in Ireland, you're running uh, the show over there. Tell me about your whiskey journey. How did you start off in, in the whiskey industry? And when you were a wee little lad, did you ever imagine that this would be your career? <laughs> no, definitely not. To answer the last question, that was never, uh, I probably didn't really know much about whiskey other than Jack Daniels until I was well out of college. Whiskey wasn't my thing. I was more of a craft beer guy. So that's kind of how I got into um, learning about uh, alcohol and the alcohol industry. Started off home brewing. It would have been right after college. 
and made my first batch in my uh, in my mother's kitchen, and it was drinkable. And from that point on, I was like, "Wait a minute, you can make your own alcohol? This is something new." But I definitely didn't ever consider it as a career opportunity until I'd gone away for school and uh, came back and wasn't having any luck finding a job in that field. And um, my uh, girlfriend at the time, my wife now and I, we went to go see a movie up in Michigan, just across the border. We lived in South Bend, Indiana. And um, there's a little tiny theater there in Three Oaks, Michigan. And when I was Google mapping it up on the next to the theater across the street said distillery. And I and I didn't I was like, what is that? That's really interesting. So after the movie, we drove by where the map said it was. And I did one of these like looking through the window and, nice. and it looked really cool inside. And I went home and um, emailed them just the info at journeyman. The person who came back to me was the turned out to be the owner, Bill Welter. And uh, I said, hey, you know, do you guys have any opportunities for somebody who wants to learn about what a distillery is and what you guys are doing? I'd come in for free and just put them up in my hand. I'm just curious. And he said, absolutely. Come on over and um, we're doing some bottling so you can sit on the bottling line. I had no idea what that meant, but I went over, <laughs> uh, introduced myself, sat down, did a, f- a few hours of bottling and I went to leave and um, was sort of like, hey, thanks for the experience. That was really cool. Maybe I'll see you around. And he handed me a paycheck, which I wasn't expecting. And oh. I said, no, if you're working, you're getting paid. Nice. So you ended up just hanging out and going to do this bottling and you had no idea what was going to come of that. No. And I, you know, I, I'd certainly never run a, I've been on a bottling line and um, I wasn't familiar with the spirits the journeyman made and I, and it, I didn't really have much of a concept of it, but I knew it was close to brewing and I was interested in learning more about that. So I just took it as, you know, um, it's a good learning experience. And uh, I thought I was doing this for, you know, a volunteer and basically just said, you know, if you work here, you get paid. And and, uh, if you'd like to come back, we can use you. So I kept coming back that summer for about, uh, I don't know, two months or something like that and and doing the bottling. And and, uh, for anyone out there who's sat on a bottling line, they know it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but it's part of that learning curve. You have to start somewhere. And uh, at some point in that summer, uh, another distiller who was there uh, put his keys on the table in the back and uh, basically said adios. And um, they said they turned to me and said, hey, Ryan, there's an opening. Would you like to wow. come back and uh, learn how to be a distiller? And I said, yes. And it kind of went from there. Wow. So what, what, what did you major in in college that has nothing to do with what you're doing now? Yeah, exactly. Very nothing to do. Um, (laughs) I didn't know what I wanted to do in college. So I did um, history, philosophy and communications. That turned into a job at a newspaper, a small newspaper in my hometown of Goshen, Indiana. Um, I actually loved that job. It was really cool. Uh, But I moved and the newspaper industry was changing to online media and uh, um, I didn't change with it. So um, I ended up then working in customer service in the aviation industry. And um, And then did, um, then worked um, in um, uh, education abroad. So sending students overseas for study abroad semesters, which uh, was actually really great. Um, And that's where I met my now wife. And uh, I went off and got a a master's in international relations and came back. And that's when I couldn't find a job. (laughs) I overeducated myself. Yeah. Once you finally have all the education, then 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 you're out. There's nothing left. But it, it, it was a bit serendipitous because... Uh, unbeknownst to me, of course, uh, at this was 12 years ago, roughly at this point, 2011, something mm-hmm. like that. So um, 
this is when, and as I'm sure you're well aware, in the U.S., the craft spirits movement was just just picking up, just getting ahead of steam. Right. And um, so there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of educational opportunities, but there were a lot of opportunities for people who just sort of would raise their hand and show up to work on time and be the one who would always volunteer for the the bad job. Um, and that's exactly how it was at Journeyman. It was a great place for me to get started and to to learn this this. Spirits, craft spirits movement in the U.S. kind of went from what we think, you know, maybe at the most 400 distilleries in the U.S. 15 years ago to over, uh, well over 1,500 now. I don't know we're yeah. probably breaking 2,000 at this point. Yeah, there's um, so many. That's a whole lot of new jobs. But 12 years ago, you know, it was probably 600 distilleries and it was still right. a novel thing. So a person without any experience could still work their way up um, without, you know, uh, without having already been a distiller somewhere. How far up did you get at Journeyman? And when when did you finally say, okay, it's time for me to to open up and, and try something new? And I hear you came to San Diego, is that right? Close, Orange Close. County. So just Orange north County. of San okay. Diego. Yeah, okay. about 45 minutes to an hour south of LA uh, in a town called Santa Ana. Um, oh, Santa and Ana. it was about, yeah. do you even know Santa Ana? I do. That's where the airport is, Santa Ana. That, That's exactly that where the airport John is. Wayne. John yeah. Wayne. One of the nicest airports there is. I love flying in and out of it, there. It's a beautiful airport, yeah. And uh, about uh, 10 minutes away from Disneyland. Uh, so yes, I had a annual pass for a while while those still nice. existed. And it was nice. It was 12 or 13 months. It was just over a year at Journeyman. And um, it wasn't a question of me not wanting to be at Journeyman because it was, it was, and I believe still is a great place to work. It was more that uh, the two guys, so there's the owner and then the two guys who were above me who are, were locals, you know, and I drove 45 minutes uh, a day to get there um, from South Bend. And those two guys drove 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And I knew they were, they had good spots at the distillery and they weren't going anywhere. And they're still there to this day. Right. Uh, Tom, Doug and Tom, and they sort of, started me on my my learning curve and um, i just knew that uh at journeyman there they had their spots and they were happy and uh, it was time for me to see what else was out there so um i kind of took a flyer and applied for a job in california having never considered california as an option to live in at all especially the la area it just wasn't on the radar at all and uh, i got a response back from a couple uh robin and brian christensen from the Blinking Owl Distillery in Santa Ana. And uh, they said, hey, thank you so much for your application, but we've actually offered the job to somebody. I'm sorry we didn't get to chat with you. Uh, we'll keep you, you know, we'll keep your resume or whatever. And I was like, okay, onward right. and upward. I think I applied to Diageo and uh, it wasn't Beam Suntory then, but um, somebody else and no prayer, no, no hope of that with only a year of experience. Right, About right. two weeks later, Robin emailed me back and said, hey, so you know that, guy that we offered the job to, he ended up not deciding to, not to come. Would you like to interview? I well, said yes. And then, you know, it just kind of went from there. Great. And how long did you work at the Blinking Owl? Seven years. So wow. longest, uh, longest job I've ever had. And uh, I moved there from Indiana with, uh, with my partner. And uh, we set up shop there in Santa Ana, which is actually a great place to live. Um, it gets a little bit of a bad rap, but um, we loved it there. Wouldn't have stayed seven years if we hadn't. And uh, I was the head distiller, first employee. We did everything from the only thing I didn't participate in that that project was actually buying the equipment. But we oh, wow. uh, did the full full build out from um, you know from a shell of a building to to running the distillery. So installing boilers, mills. 
um, fermenters, brew house, stills, everything. And, uh, and then started the brand and it's a great brand still going strong. And now, um, Max Stecka, who was my assistant when I left is now the head distiller there. Nice. And what, um, what spirits do they make there? We made, um, the first thing we ever made was a vodka okay. and, uh, I'd never made a vodka all the way from scratch before from grain. Um, and it was a wheat vodka with a little bit of malted barley in it. And uh, we, we had a hybrid pot column still with two columns next to the pot. That was quite an emotional experience when that first drop comes off of the still of something that you made from the very beginning and having never done it before on a brand new piece of equipment. Right. It was a lot of pressure, but it worked out and um, really, really liked the vodka that we made there. And I wasn't really a vodka drinker until I started making it. Uh, it's, right. it, was, it was really fun. The most exciting thing was having the first whiskeys come off and the white spirit tasting really good. So you're in Santa Ana. You've been here seven years, did the Disneyland stint. And now, how did you end up in Ireland? Did they call you? So, did you be looking? Did you say yeah. it's getting too hot here? <laughs> I need to get <laughs> some rain. I say it now. Uh, I say I tell people now that when I'm here, it's they say, "Well, how do you think about what do you think about the weather? You just came from California. What were you thinking?" Um, California is great. Melissa, my, my wife and I, we really, really love California. We made a lot of good friends there. I made a ton of friends and connections in the industry. And I always told people there that I had the best job in booze in California. No one else had the opportunities that I had to do what I was doing the way I was doing it. Brian and Robin pretty much gave me free reign and um, we made what we wanted. And it was, a, it was a really good spot. So seven years passed though. And I guess it was the seven year itch. I don't know. We just were, we felt like we'd seen a lot in California. We'd done a lot in California and you can't ever be bored of the place. There's an infinite amount of things to do, but we did feel like maybe it was time to see what else there was out there. And, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, we both always wanted to live abroad together. We've done it individually, but never together. And, uh, so it was starting, I just sort of started to see what was out there. It, was, it wasn't really an active job search. It just sort of was, if it happened, it happened. And, uh, uh I got in touch with the folks here at Connick Distillery we started realizing there were a lot of connections. So um, Connacht is, uh, was started, uh, founded by uh, Tom Jensen. He's our CEO. And uh, funny enough, he actually right now lives in Indiana in the same town that I <laughs> left when I went to California. Did you just send him back so, to your old house? <laughs> yeah. So, so actually, before I got this job, I actually had the chance to go. I was home visiting family and uh, got to meet him. Um, so I got to meet the CEO of, our, of an Irish distillery in my hometown in Indiana before I got to come over here. Um, and is he Irish so or just, is he American? Uh, he's American, but his, um, I think it's his grandmother. I don't think it's his mother. I think it's his grandmother uh, was born and raised just about 20 minutes down the road from where we are now. So we're in Balana, okay. which is in County Mayo. So if you look at a map of Ireland and you go to the, the, the left top west part all the way to the edge, that's where yeah. Mayo is. One of the most special and beautiful parts of Ireland, I really believe. Um, 20 minutes over is a town called Tubbercurry, and that's where his grandmother came from. And she was, I think the story goes anyways, 12 or 13 years old, and her mother uh, put a suitcase in her hand and said, you're getting on a boat, and you're going to Chicago, and you're going to live with your aunt, who she'd never met. 
Wow. Can you imagine being a 13 year old? Now, Tom, you'll no. have to correct me, Tom. I'm sorry if I'm telling the story wrong, but, <laughs> but, um, this happened to many people in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, it's a very common experience here to have been sort of shipped off to the States to supposedly a better life. Uh, I think some probably did and some probably didn't, but anyways, that's how Tom came to be. And he, and he wanted to bring back, uh, this industry back to Ireland and back to his home area where his ancestral roots are. So that's how we ended up in, um, in Balana. And then Tom was uh, also, he's a, he's a partnership with um, Rob Cassell, who is the master distiller at New Liberty Distillery in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, so they partnered up on that the venture and then they partnered up on this venture. So Rob is our master distiller. Uh, he's the one who sort of built all the recipes, built out the distillery. I'm just sort of carrying on that vision. And, uh, but the funny part is that Rob and I had actually connected years before because I was, um, the vice president of the California Artisanal Distillers Guild in California. And we were working on some law changes there, trying to, trying to make the, the situation better for craft distillers in the state of California. And I was pointed to Rob by some other folks who'd uh, been in the industry for a while as someone who, an example of somebody who'd worked really well in their state to change the laws and make them better for craft spirits. And uh, so it just very randomly turned out that he and I had actually spoken a few years before. I didn't make the connection until well into the process that who, nice. who he was and where Tom was from. And uh, so it was all very, very serendipitous. And um, it just felt like things were falling into place and it made a lot of sense. And uh, so we came over to Balana to check it out, see what we thought. And in um, what was, year was that? This was only... It was a year ago in um, September. Oh, wow. Okay. So I've only been, I got here in January of 2022. So, um, And how long has uh, the distillery been up and running? Uh, six years. We're working on seven years now. Okay. 2016. Nice. Um, I think I told you when I originally re reached out that the reason I really wanted to go visit was because when I did my ancestry, um, my biggest concentration of where I'm from is this area. And so I was really hoping we could make it. So I'm determined to get there at some point. And yeah. I do have uh, actually an extra flight credit. Um, so hopefully I can get back there in the next year or so and see you in person. But um, everything I've, I've read and, and looked at about this area is just gorgeous and beautiful. And I think, why on earth did my family ever leave there? It's gorgeous. <laughs> There's yeah. lots of beautiful places in Ireland, um, but Mayo is, I think, a special piece of that uh, pie. But uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but the old saying that comes back from when the English were here and, uh, and even before that, it's uh, to hell or Connacht. That's where they were going to send all the rebels. And, nice. Um, I think there's still a bit of uh, subversive pride about that because uh, back then you couldn't grow anything here in, in, in the West. It's too wet and too rocky, yeah. uh, but that's what makes it really beautiful. So when you got over there, what was your first, what was your first task? What would they say? Did, did you get to start making your own expressions or were you taking over something they already had? A little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Um, I landed and of course you have to go through all the like, hey, now I live in another country stuff and uh, getting to know the folks, the team who was already here. And a lot of those first three months, let's call it, was familiarization, getting myself mm -hmm. up to speed, learning our the existing processes, how we got to where we were at that time, um, what we were making, uh, just, you know, getting familiar with all of our record keeping, our, our barrel house, our warehouse um, how we ship, just all of the different things you have to do when you run a distillery. 
Um, and then the next three months after that were um, kind of driving down on things like um, efficiencies, um, how our processes, uh, making sure we're up to date on compliance, picking back up on maintenance wherever where that had been before. And then starting to sort of form some new relationships, relationships with our distributors, with our um, retail partners, um, with the community here in Balana. Uh, you know, COVID hit everyone hard and, and, and all in different and subtly unique ways. And around here, the distillery was making hand sanitizer, just like we did in, in Santa <laughs> Ana before I got here. But a lot of people, I don't know if the word is forgot or just life got in the way, but we ha we've we sort of been a campaign this year. 2022 has been the return of Connacht Distillery to Mayo, to letting everybody know that we're back, we're in business, we're making whiskey here in your hometown. And yes, I'm not Irish, but a lot of Irish connections in the company and most of the people who work there are Irish. Um, and we want to be the whiskey of Balanat. We want to be the whiskey of Mayo, the whiskey of the West. That's where we're we're trying to be, and and this has been kind of like our coming back out year to let everyone know we're here and and back in business. So, how many different expressions do you guys have? I know you sent me well two questions. Where are you distributed? Are, do you have any distribution in America yet? And how many different whiskey expressions do you have? Well. I'll, I'll answer the first one first. Yes, we're in the States, mostly on the East Coast. We're distributed by Park Street. So if anybody out there wants to get it, just call up Park Street and they can get it for you. Um, as you know, the state system in the United States is a really tricky thing to yeah. navigate. Um, three tier, and one all of, the, of that. One of the three tier system, for better or for worse, and all of the above. But for it's funny because coming here, part of the reason I wanted to come to another country to do this job was because because I wanted to see how other people thought about it and why not come to the, the home of whiskey, where whiskey really got its start and, and blew up around the world, it's Ireland. Um, and they definitely have a different approach to alcohol here and a, and a subtly different approach to regulation. So um, a lot of folks have said, oh, I can't believe you have to deal with that three-tier system in the States. And I always took it for granted. I thought that's how the whole world worked. Yeah. Um, it's not at all. And so it's just, it's been interesting to learn about how in Ireland, you know, the things you don't have to worry about in Ireland that you do back home in the States. So that's the only, the only caveat there is that's why we're not all over the country in the U.S. We have to pick our markets, choose our markets carefully um, right. uh, and grow from there. So um, we have our first batch, batch one single malt whiskey is in the States. That's, okay. that's this one. Nice. Yep, you yep. got it. That's it. Um, so you see it says batch one there, meaning this this is the first series of blends that are going to be called the Connex Single Malt. Nice. Um, moving forward, we're going to drop the batches and we're just going to be, the, the, that'll be our flagship product. But we wanted to have the first one be the, the listed as the batch one. That only came out in August of 21. So they were really just starting to sell it towards the end of last year. So when I got here in January, I think I'm not hundred percent sure about this, but I think in January, the day that I got the next day. So I got here on the 12th on a Thursday and on Friday I came into the office and the guys were shipping out a shipping container to the States with the first batch one on it. Nice. Um, at least that's how I remember it. So that is over there. And then we also have um, our vodka, mm -hmm. uh, which is called straw boys vodka. And um, we also have this product, which is called Ballyhoo. Oh, and Ballyhoo is, is just Ballyhoo? sort of a play on a term. Um, 
uh, an exclamation, sort of like a, a victory charge or something like that. Uh, and this is a sourced grain whiskey that we get from here in Ireland. And um, it's it, we did a couple of sourced products before our batch one came out because, as you know, startup distilleries need liquid when right. they begin because they don't have their own. We're a six year old company. This is a four or five year old malt whiskey. We, we don't have anything older than that that we make, obviously. But the source products are there to fill in that gap until your stuff comes out. Well, the Ballyhoo has done so well, we're going to hang on to it. Nice. There was another line that we're not going to hang on to, but the Ballyhoo has, has been really good for us, both in the States um, and Germany, believe it or not. The Germans are really embracing um, whiskey, especially whiskey, single malts for sure. They love their scotch, but but Irish whiskey is having its day right now. Like this is the best time to be in Ireland if you're in whiskey, because we here, when I say we in Ireland are starting to have the same craft spirits boom that probably started maybe 10 or 15 years ago in the States. So right. 15 years ago in Ireland, there were three, maybe four distilleries, depending on how you want to talk about it. Um, today, 45 to 50, something like that. Now, that doesn't seem like a whole lot over 15 years, but um, you got to think about the size of the country. And it, it, the, the amazing part is where the industry was 100 years ago, yeah. where it was 15 years ago, and now where it's coming back. To. Yeah. Um, I One of the interviews I did was with Bernard Walsh in, um, in Dublin. And when we were talking, I said, you know, if I had done this tour of Ireland, you know, three, five years ago, I could have hit all of the distilleries, but yep. in the two weeks that I was there, now I would need to be there two months and, and then maybe I'd get everybody. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited that the Irish uh, whiskey is booming and is coming back to its former glory. So I think it's time There's we lots of reports. taste a couple of Go these ahead. things. So you sent me um, the batch one. I also have uh, the new make. We originally had that new make and then a mm -hmm. little, another 200 mil little one of these in a pack, in a gift pack, so people could start to get to know the brand because that nice. was the first time you got to see Connacht listed on anything. Right. Um, and of course, the idea there was with the new make, show where the spirit started and then where the spirit was ending up for us right. in four or four and a half years. But the new make's really fun. I mean, you've probably had a lot of new make in your time. Um, I and I always enjoy drinking new make. Most distillers enjoy drinking new make because that's how we experience our spirit for the most part, uh, most frequently. Are you gonna oh, are you gonna do good. some? I'm gonna do some. Yeah, let's, let's get let's get some of that. Oh yeah, that's got a beautiful nose. When I first started really getting into whiskey, I went to Scotland and did a whiskey tour. And that's when I first had my first new make. And I went to all these places. I'm like, oh, this is so gross. And now, like, my palate has just changed so much that I'm like, how could I have ever thought this was gross? Absolutely. I, I totally feel the same way. Um, and it's it's interesting, though, with your malt whiskey new makes, they're quite wow. quite drinkable. They can, oh, be, yeah. they can be really expressive. Um, bourbon new makes, on the other hand, are usually pretty rough pretty yeah. hard to handle. Um, uh, usually, not always, but usually bourbon really changes in the cask. So does malt whiskey. But the thing that I enjoy about our new make and new make in general here in Ireland is that you're getting a really good sense of what the spirit could become yeah. based on it, this. It's and very it, there's creamy. a through line. Yeah. There's a through line that goes to the, to the finished product that stays there. There's a, with ours, it's, it's very much about the barley. It's a hundred percent 
uh, Irish grown barley malted on the island. We get it within sometimes a day or two of it coming out of the kilns. Super fresh. We, you know, we're keeping our carbon footprint down by getting it here on the island. Um, and it's really representative of where it comes from. We get it all from the southeast side of the country versus the northwest where we are. Uh, but it's only three and a half hours away. Um, I I get a lot of grassiness off of it, um, which you Mm -hmm. commonly do off of a new make spirit, but it's really in touch with the, with the grain. I think our new make is really in touch with the grain, with the malt um, and it's expressing it quite well. It's an ale malt that we use. It's not um, super common, although more and more common in the craft spirits world, um, as opposed to a distiller's malt, which would typically be used to help, uh, you know, boost starch conversion, um, with lots of enzymes favoring starch over proteins, higher starch, lower proteins. That's your typical distiller's malt. Um, we're seeing a lot more now and we're doing it. We've embraced it. Um, Rob Cassell, you know, pioneered that here for us that uh, we want to stick with uh, malts that are typically used in beer brewing because you're favoring flavor, favoring flavor over the, the potential for alcohol. And um, yeah, we might shave a bit, uh, a few tenths of a percent or maybe a percent of ABV off of that potential yield, but we're also bringing to the table some flavor characteristics that um, uh, might've been lost otherwise. And, and I know it's a buzzword, it's very buzzy um, terroir in relation to whiskey, um, because some folks will say there's no way. Uh, you're boiling the alcohol, you're boiling the water essentially in the stills. How could you possibly have terroir come through the whiskey uh, in the end? Well, uh, let me put it to you this way. Let's say that we get 50% of our flavor from the barrel, 40 to 60% of our flavor from the barrel. That's fine. So where's all the rest coming from? Well, whiskeys taste different all over the world and through all the different distilleries. So every whiskey would taste the same if the raw ingredients and where they came from were not important, but they don't which means that it is important. So I fall on the side of there is a way to express terroir and whiskey. Um, And uh, that's what we're trying to do. Well, I, I firmly believe that there is a way to express terroir and whiskey as well. Um, I just poured the, the, the uh, single malt. Oh, yep. And I'm smelling it against the new make. Do you, do you see the through? I mean, can you get it? Yeah, I do. I smell, I smell the, I smell the new make in, in the single malt, but it definitely now, <clears throat> changes to a, a a more mellow, sweet uh, sweetness on the nose. Yeah, yeah. So we are the first to to admit, and it's not a thing we're afraid to admit. It's part of the process, but that it's a, it's a, it's only a four year old whiskey. That's very young for a malt whiskey. Malt whiskey yeah. need a lot of time to break down into the in the barrels. Um, but we wouldn't have released it. Uh, the team that was here before me wouldn't have released it if it wasn't ready, if it ready. wasn't good, if they weren't proud of it. And we are proud of it. It's won a lot of awards, actually. Um, right. uh, but that four-year-old whiskey uh, means that it's going to be a brighter experience. Um, I tend to think of younger whiskeys as being sort of pointy on a flavor spectrum, whereas older whiskeys tend to shave off those points and be a little bit yeah. more mellow, more in the middle. So some people might enjoy a young bright whiskey that really pops on the top or has a very interesting low note or something like that. And I think that's where we fall right now with this one. Now we're going to keep progressing the age of our spirits. This first one is uh, everything's in it at least four years old. Well, most of the barrels that we're going to be putting into the next blends are in the five-year-old category already. 
So okay. by 2023, we're going to be pushing six years old. Um, we may or may not do an age statement release. We haven't decided yet. Probably wouldn't be until the eight-year range anyways. But uh, just know as consumers, continue to drink this whiskey because it's going to be evolving. Okay. All right. Let's taste this. Oh, wow. That's nice. I can taste I the, so. um, the grassy notes. Mm-hmm. It's got a little a little hint of spice. So it's uh, we present mm. it at 47% ABV. Um, that way we get That's away great. from any chill filtration. Um, we don't need to worry about that. And uh, also gives the consumer a lot of choice, the bartender a lot of choice in how they work with that, with that extra ABV. And uh, it's finished in sherry butts, big 500 liter sherry butts. Um, which is what gives it some of that roundness that you're talking about. It takes that malt whiskey, gives it a a hint of what you think of as sweetness. It's not sugar, but you know, that sherry gives it that sweet note and um, savory roundness. And it gives it more of a chance to oxidize and esterify in the barrel, which is always what we're after in, in whiskey. That's fantastic. Well, these are all delicious. I'm very excited that um, you can get, can you get the new make here in the US too? Or just the, well, you know, I take that, what I'll say is that, so that, that was sort of a a one-off presentation in the little 200 meter Miller sample bottle, Mm -hmm. but we are making something uh, here that is basically the cousin of that one. That one was at uh, 47% also, just like the, like the single malt, but we're having a, we have a 45% um, called Pucci. Did oh, you nice. hear Pooching when you were here? Yes. We had a whole, I went to a Pooching bar. We, yeah. We, Pooching, oh, wow. It's, uh, yeah. It's great. It's a whole I'm, thing. Pooching's having a moment. It so, is. So for people who don't know, it's the Irish cousin to America's moonshine. Yeah. It's white spirit. It's basically new make. And that our Pooching is our new make for the single malt whiskey. Um, so you can still repeat that. You can repeat this on your own. If you get a bottle of the Puccine and a bottle of the new make and try it right off the stills, dilute it down to 45%. And then four years later, um, out of the cask. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I actually had a, it's called a Belfast coffee instead of an Irish coffee. Okay. And, um, it's with Puccine instead of whiskey and it's a cold brew instead of hot brew. And oh my gosh, like it's, it's fantastic. That sounds so, great. I need to try it, that. It, it's very good. Um, I mean, obviously you have to get good coffee for it, but uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, with the whipped cream on top, of course. Yeah. The, the thick yep, cream. Yep. Fantastic. Okay. So what is your five-year plan with this distillery? What What do you guys think you're going to be putting out? Well, we're definitely going to keep driving the, the flagship uh, malt whiskey. That's, you know, that's sort of the priority. Uh, making sure that that stays good, stays as good as it is, um, and just gets better. So that's number one. Um, number two is uh, growing the growing the footprint. Um, you know, we're designed to be a bigger distillery than we are right now, from pr- as far as production numbers go. So we want to maximize our production space, our production floor, produce more whiskey, get more barrels laid down. But that's stuff that all distilleries want to do. Right. The other things are um, coming out with uh, some innovation, some new some new product lines that um, you know challenge the drinker, uh, bring some new flavors to the front. Um, we actually have this year, so the, my first year that I've been here, we've actually have two new two new products coming onto the market. Uh, one is our Straw Boys whiskey. So our vodka is called yep. Straw Boys. Our Puching is called Straw Boys. And, and what now is we're the Straw have Boys a whiskey to go along with Significance it. is that like? Oh yeah, sorry, Dingle Man. 
No, is it like the Dingle Man? Similar, similar. Okay. Yes, similar. Okay. So you know the the it's the pointy straw hat. Right. Well, traditionally, and we're talking, you know, eighteen uh, hundreds or uh, around there, uh, the straw boys would uh, basically be modern day wedding crashers. Uh, they'd nice. show up to wedding parties, dance with the bride, dance with the groom, drink a bunch of whiskey, and then and then run away. So, but and they had their straw hats would actually come down and cover their eyes so that you couldn't tell who they were. Of course, everyone knew who they were, but that was sort of the the tradition and the idea. So we're sort of tapping into that celebratory um, and cultural heritage uh, aspect of the Straw Boys story. Um, so we're going to have a family of Straw Boys products, and that Straw Boys whiskey is kind of the next evolution of that. And that's actually going to be the base spirit that we use for the Ballyhoo, which is a port cask finished grain whiskey. Oh, and nice. we're just going to have the, the grain whiskey by itself. So that's a four-year-old grain whiskey in the Straw Boys. Uh, right now it's only in Europe, um, in the EU, but uh, we'll see if it goes to the US. And, um, and then one of the uh, innovations that we're coming out with is a port cask aged gin. So it's our gin, mm -hmm. our Concullen gin that um, lived in a port cask for probably over a year, actually, because it was meant to be released a little bit early, but uh, we drug our feet on that. So we got a little extra time and it's uh, really lovely. Wow. And how, how deep is the color on that? It's sort of a ruby. It's not, oh, not nice. super dark because it was a uh, once used uh, cask. We actually had an aged gin when the distillery first opened up and it's those same casks again. So it's going to be sort of a muted, a tamed down version of the original. So if people have had the original, um, they'll kind of know what to expect. Great. Well, fantastic. Ryan, thank you so much for uh, telling me your story and, and sharing everything about the distillery and your previous distilleries with us today. It's been fantastic getting to know you. Um, if people wanted to find you on social media or find the uh, brand to buy, where what would be the best place for them to go? Yeah, first, uh, make sure you go to um, uh, Connick Whiskey. Uh, it's on all the social media platforms at C-O-N-N-A-C-H-T, or as the Irish say, H-T. Uh, Connick Whiskey, uh, look us up. And then uh, I'm posting, um, uh, when I came over here, I set up a new Instagram account called An American Distiller in Ireland. So look nice. for Ryan in Ireland or An American Distiller in Ireland, and you'll see a lot of posts about what we're doing, sort of behind the scenes stuff, um, anything that we're out and about, uh, you'll see it there. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, and we will catch up with you at a later date. Appreciate it. Thanks, Carrie. Cheers. Like what you've seen on BRC? Want to see more? Experience more? And maybe even taste more? Then head over to our Kofi site and become a member of the Barrel Room Parlor. By choosing the Copper Level membership, you'll have exclusive access to videos related to topics discussed on the podcast and blog posts for members only. As an Amber member level, you'll enjoy everything from our Copper Level as well as various spin-off series including The Cutting Room Floor and Kindred Spirits. In addition, the Amber membership includes exclusive discounts to live in-person events. To join, visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com and click on Become a Member in the navigation bar. Or go straight to our Kofi site at ko-fi.com slash brc and click on the membership link. Once you've joined, you'll have access to everything your chosen level has to offer. You'll even be able to participate with the show by commenting on videos and other posts. Don't wait. Sign up today for exclusive content and event discounts in the Barrel Room Parlor. Thank you. 
That does it for today's show. To read notes on this episode or learn more about our guests, please visit BarrelRoomChronicles.com. Want to interact with the show or have questions for our guests? Then ask them on our socials or send us an email through our website. Or better yet, leave us a voicemail on our anchor page and your recording might be played in our new Speakeasy segment. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. If you really liked it and you want to show your support, buy us a whiskey through our Kofi site at ko-fi.com slash BRC or become an exclusive member of the Barrel Room Parlor, where you'll get exclusive content not seen anywhere else. If you work in the whiskey or spirits industry or just have a deep passion for whiskey and want to share your spirits journey, register to be a guest through our website. Last but not least, please enjoy your spirits responsibly. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, Salangeva. Barrel Room Chronicles is a production of First Real Entertainment and is distributed by Anchor FM and is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.